Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jerry Longstore. And I'm Tom Askell. Hey, thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. So glad to have you with us. Uh, you don't know this, but you, Tom, you were out of town. I was you out of town. You enjoyed some... Uh, Rocky Mountain Rocky air. Mountain High. <laughs> Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> Only in elevation, though. Only in elevation. You didn't eat the brownies? Uh, no, we passed on the brownies. But you know, it's, it's funny. The street I live on here in Southwest Florida is at four feet above sea level. And I spent the better part of a week or more at about 7,000 feet above sea level where the air is clearer and cooler and uh, you can actually look at mountains that God made. Uh, you know, Jay Gresham mentioned there's this wonderful essay of mountains and why we love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, there's always something just renewing about looking at creation that I don't get to see very often. Um, and just being reminded of God's greatness. So yeah, I've just come back from that and I am uh, encouraged. Very good. Well, um, we thank you fam members for your support. And uh, if you're not familiar with the fam, you can go to founders.org and get familiar with that. There's three different levels where you can come in and join us as we labor for the Lord Jesus Christ and the reformation of churches. Uh, if you join in the month of August, then you get a free by what standard DVD. So um, this is a film we produce some time ago and uh, very encouraged about the reception of it and uh, we would love to send you a free copy of this DVD if you join in the month of August at any of the three levels that are there. You know, I, I want to just say a word to, uh, to uh, of thanks, appreciation for those who are supporting us, our fan members and Founders Alliance churches. Uh, it, a, a day doesn't go by that we don't receive multiple communications from people who are grateful for the content that we have been putting out and for the stands that we're trying to take and you know, we, we, we're trying to bring clarity to a lot of issues that are going on today. We're going to do that in, in our talk this morning. And we're grateful for the folks that are benefiting from this. We see this as a, a God's kindness, God's grace. We want to get stewards of that. But so much of what we do, we could not do if we didn't have people financially supporting us, praying for us. And, and even those words of encouragement, man, those come at timely moments. Mm-hmm. So thank you if you have been a part of the FAM or Founders Alliance Church. And if you're not and you appreciate what's going on through Founders and you want to stand with us and help us as we continue to uh, try to produce biblical theological materials that will help us think rightly about the days in which we live and to uh, honor Christ in and through these days, uh, let me encourage you to consider uh, about becoming a FAM member or a Founders Alliance Church. We would love to see you in January. Also, January 21st through the 23rd, we are having our conference, the Doctrine of God Conference. Uh, That's huge. uh, It is huge, (laughs) and it's timely. And uh, Chad Vegas is going to be joining us. He's from out there in California. He's a pastor out there. And we're also going to have James Dolezal, uh, who, if you haven't seen Dolezal's stuff on the internet, you should. You just look up like James Dolezal, Doctrine of Simplicity, and prepare for something that is not simple at all. Um, But it's really, really good and uh, a necessary doctrine that is really being recovered. So you're going to be preaching, I'm going to be preaching, and we're going to have a great time here. So we'd love to see you January 21st through the 23rd. You know, we've got, I've heard from at least two different churches that said they're sending all of their pastors, all their elders to this conference. And and one seminary has said that they're going to offer this conference uh, for credit with students who will come and sit through all of the talks and then do some extra reading and writing that they're going to get credit for a doctrine of God course. So uh, we think it's going to be valuable. Encourage you to check it out. If you have any questions, contact us. We'll be glad to let you know more about it. And I think there's a special discounted registration rate that ends in August as well. Isn't that right? Is that right? 
Yes, that's okay. right. Yeah, so sign up now. So we want to get into the situation with Grace Community Church out in California. Pastor John MacArthur, again, mm-hmm. the kind of drama continues to <laughs> unfold. And uh, as we have talked about this, we see it as a, a window into a very important doctrine or truth, uh, or maybe you think of it as a particular situation that you can abstract and, and recover some things. And some Christians, um, we, we might not have been thinking rightly about certain fundamental truths mm-hmm. that then leave us confused about the practical situation that has arisen with Dr. John MacArthur. And so we will, want to talk about it, and then we want to use it as a kind of a leverage to get into a deeper conversation. Yeah, it'd probably be good to bring everybody up to speed because folks might be listening to this or watching this months from when we actually put it out. Uh, Recently, Governor Newsom in California gave an executive order which forbid the meeting of churches indoors. And John MacArthur said, you know, we're, I mean, they, they spent 21 weeks after the first uh, outbreak of COVID and everybody was very alarmed and you know we were being told that millions are going to die and churches needed to, to shut down. Uh, well, they spent 21 weeks sorting that out, trying to figure out you know, how do we do that and finally came to the conclusion, no, we're, we're going to meet. The governor issued this executive order uh, they determined that they were not going to comply with that executive order and it's gone through the court system. They filed a lawsuit against I think the county or one of the one of the state uh, uh-huh. but but the original order was that they couldn't meet inside right, right they, that's they, right so the go- it's important to know and people have been saying this that the governor allowed them to meet outside oh yeah it's LA in, it's any like kind. 100 degrees isn't that sweet of the governor but you know um, you know you have freedom freedom of worship yeah, yeah. outside um, so could meet inside could meet outside that was the order yeah, you could meet outside. Could meet yeah. outside. Could meet yeah, outside. so the, the the church wound up filing a lawsuit to uh, overcome these uh, oppressive uh, ex- extensions of authority beyond what they were allowed to do before God from the civil magistrates. And then uh, that first determination from their lawsuit was to relieve them from the oppression that they couldn't meet. And, and so there was a brokered deal with their lawyers and the civil authorities lawyers saying, okay, you can meet until this case gets to a proper hearing in September, a few weeks from now, but you have to meet with masks and you have to meet with social distancing, but you can meet inside. And so the, the church said, okay, you know, we're willing to do this as a stopgap to get us to a proper place where we can debate the uh, uh, issues at stake here and try to understand constitutionally what the, the standing is and how we're to operate. Well, the, the city, the county in L.A. was not satisfied with that. So late Saturday night. This is past Saturday night that's right. we're recording this. That, that's right. Late Saturday night, they go to a higher court and get that injunction overturned. And so now then the John MacArthur Grace Community Church is back to square one. And so uh, on this past Sunday, they just met as they normally do. And, and uh, John was very gracious in his opening comments. He said, look, we're not trying to be defiant, but we're a church. We're going to meet as uh, the Church of Jesus Christ and had the civil magistrates responded with the same kind of uh, humility and kindness that we tried to show that let's get through this impasse and get to a proper court where we can have the debate. He said, we wouldn't be doing it this way, but here we are. We're not social distancing. We're not meeting with masks. And I, I think 
that was a right tone, and I think they did the right thing by going ahead and meeting. Absolutely, man. I want to commend Pastor John MacArthur and the elders there at Grace Community Church, the whole church, as they meet. Right. And may God help them to continue to be humble and continue to love God and continue to love other people, which is what they're doing. And by, be, cur- be courageous. Yes, they have to, given yeah. what's going on. And so I think a lot of Christians are looking at this, and they're saying, oh, boy, you know, what do we do? And I, you can almost feel... Um, the lack of foundation as you come to a particular situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, one uh, key truth is to say, what is the governor's responsibility? Like, what is he supposed to do? And, and the question before the House is, um, <laughs> is it lawful, right, good, appropriate, faithful for the governor to tell Grace Community Church right now that you cannot meet indoors? So given all that's going on, given uh, what Jesus says about gathering and assembling, given the virus, given the governor's responsibility before God and and what his duties are, uh, is it right for the governor to legislate that or is it wrong? It very clearly, the governor is saying, it's right for me to do this. Very (laughs) clearly, Pastor John MacArthur, the elders in Grace Community Church are saying, no, it's wrong for you to do this. And that's why it's such a wonderful thing to discuss because it's a crystal clear setup. And, and some Christians have, have been publicly, uh, many Christians have been publicly against yeah. Pastor John MacArthur siding with the governor, saying, well, the governor has a right to do this. And so um, how are we to think about these things? Why don't you give some thoughts? I want to jump into Romans 13 in a minute. So Yeah, well, and, but before we even get to that question, the way you framed it, we need to acknowledge that, yes, there, there is a time, there are reasons that a civil magistrate could say to a church, you must not meet. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before. Active shooter. Yeah, you know, a hurricane bearing down or, or you know, any number of things that um, where a, a civil authority could say to a church, look, given these extreme circumstances. There's not many circumstances no. in which this would happen. Very, no. very few. Your and, building's on fire would be one. Yeah, that's right. And so back in March, whenever the civil magistrates are telling us millions are going to mm-hmm. die, millions are going to die okay i mean our church didn't meet for two weeks we you know talked about how we might meet differently and finally figured that out and started meeting differently before we moved back to our building after i don't know five weeks or something like that but that, that's an extreme circumstance mm-hmm. well now then here, here's the 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 difference that we're facing now is we've had what five months of this six months right. of this where millions have not died in the United States, and there are so many conflicting reports about uh, both the uh, way this virus is transmitted and its uh, deadliness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the death rates are not near what we told were told they were going to be. So, because of all that, you know, we just we need to kick in with Proverbs fourteen and fifteen. The simple believes everything. But the prudent man will direct his steps wisely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's quit believing everything we've been told. So now to your question, no, the governor does not have the right to tell Grace Community Church or the churches in California, you may not meet and we are going to prevent you from meeting by wielding the sword against you if you do. Yeah, and and, and 
I want to so quickly get into the nuts and bolts of that, but let me highlight something that you've said, or, or maybe we haven't articulated this clearly here yet. Um, to think rightly about this issue, you have to be thinking rightly about sphere sovereignty and understanding these um, places of authority that God himself has established in the world. So if we look to scripture, we see that there is a home mm-hmm. and there is authority that operates in that home. There is a civil realm and there is authority that operates in that civil realm. There is a church and there is authority that operates in the church. So when it comes to the civil realm in the church, um, is the civil realm higher, a higher authority than the church and the church authority brought underneath that? Is the church a higher authority and the civil realm brought underneath that? We would answer that question, no. There are two uh, equal authorities that God has established in the world. He has established the civil authorities. He has established ecclesiastical authority. And there is overlap, mm-hmm. and that's where we're at. We're in that area of overlap, certain responsibilities that God himself has given the governor, Governor Newsom, certain responsibilities that God himself has given Grace Community Church and the leaders of that congregation. And you're in this place where it's like, okay, there's overlap. The question becomes, how do you determine in the place of the overlap what's lawful, what's right? How do you make the decision that you said, um, you said, no, it's not right for them to meet, or it's not right for the governor to say they can't meet. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. And we're doing that based on divine revelation, both special and general. Um, So immediately some of the topics that come to mind, you you have to get a right understanding of the governor's responsibility. You have to get a right understanding of the importance of the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, the public worship of God by the church. You have to have a right understanding of the virus as much as you can understand. Now understand we're finite people. And so we don't have a perfect conception of Romans 13. We don't have a perfect conception of the importance of the Sabbath day. We don't have a perfect conception of what's happened with the virus. Certain things we can understand more clearly than others in that list. But nevertheless, yeah, we're finite human beings, but that doesn't mean we get to throw up our hands and say, well, you know, we'll just do whatever Christian because, Liberty. Yeah. You don't just do whatever you think's right. You don't get to do that. So I, I want to read Romans 13 because a lot of people have cited Romans 13 as they basically are saying Romans 13 is in the Bible. You need to obey. Yeah, but before you do that, I, I want to just underscore the fact that what we're talking about here is not a matter of Christian Liberty. Uh, a lot of church leaders, a lot of ecclesiastical leaders, evangelical leaders, even folks that I know and love and respect, have tried to frame this as a matter of Christian liberty. Well, you're free to meet or you're free not to meet. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You've got a command in Scripture that we are to meet. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, Hebrews 10.25. And then you've got commands in Scripture telling us to be submissive to civil authority. Right. So th- this is not Adiaphora. Am I free to eat a cheeseburger or not eat a cheeseburger? Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, you can you can exercise your freedom there, yeah. but you can't exercise your freedom here. This is not a matter of freedom. This is a matter of of trying to discern how are we going to apply these two obligations in a very difficult, sometimes murky situation. And good people might disagree, and that's okay. But let's make sure we're understanding the way the question should be framed and the basis on which those disagreements are to be held. Right, because sometimes we think if it's a tough call, then it's a matter of Christian yeah. liberty. Yeah. So so where two Christians could disagree and really it's a tough decision to make we think well if it's a tough decision then it must be a matter of christian liberty but that's not what makes it a matter of christian liberty if jesus christ has revealed that something ought to be done 
and then something is coming in that questions whether that particular thing should be done or this other authority, the civil authority, mm-hmm. should I be submitting here or should I be uh, submitting to Jesus and assembling? And is this civil magistrate in his in his lane is he doing what is lawful according to what christ has revealed that is a decision that has to be made and you can disagree over that decision but your point is it's not a matter of christian liberty because jesus has actually revealed something on that that's clear whereas uh to eat cheeseburgers or to not eat cheeseburgers is is not yeah i I think it's important i mean it's a fine point maybe but it's a really important point to keep us from going down bad trails and winding up in just kind of a mere subjectivism. So I think that this debate needs to be framed the same way we, de- we frame the debate on baptism. You know, we're convinced that we should baptize only believers, only those who have a credible profession of faith. Our paedo-baptist friends say, no, you should baptize believers and their children. We think they're wrong. They think we're wrong, and yet we can love and fellowship with them as brothers in Christ, recognizing that one or both of us are wrong. And, and so it, there's a humility, there's a love that acknowledges the, the fallenness of you articulated early. We don't have perfect understanding, but we're not just saying, well, you're free to baptize your babies or not. No, you're not. We, we are obligated to do what God has called us to do in the scripture when he says, go make disciples and baptize them. So let's, let's have the debate, but let's have it on the basis of God has spoken here and we need to understand what he actually has said. Yeah, and of course, you know, it cannot be a matter of Christian liberty, and we can still be humble Absolutely. about our assessments. We Good can be loving. Can we can be charitable and generous and all of those things, and we right. ought to be. Right. And it doesn't have to be a matter of Christian liberty in order to exactly. do those things. Amen. So if you're going to make a right decision here, one of, one of the probably the key thing, the central thing that we want to communicate in this podcast is seeing that everyone has to live by divine revelation, right. period. Everyone, including the governor. everyone has to um so if you're in this situation you say well should i given my responsibilities as governor well who made you governor and the answer is jesus made you governor Uh, whose servant are you the answer is you're a servant of the lord jesus christ and you're actually a minister of the lord jesus christ which we're going to see here in a moment from romans 13 so romans 13 can cut both ways it doesn't just mean (laughs) hey you need to obey it also means you governors actually serve the crucified and risen jesus christ yes even if you are not a christian you have still been established by God Almighty in the station that you find yourself. And, and the simple question I have is, if you're a servant of Jesus, do you have to do what he says? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is not a, perfect this, sense. This seems it? like such a kind of perfect little syllogism here. Uh, you have to do what Jesus says to do. Now, that makes people nervous because you're like, well, my goodness. I mean, if Jesus has said that husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church, and if you don't love your wife because you didn't bring your flowers on Valentine's Day, does that mean the civil magistrate needs to punish you? Of course not. It doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that he has to punish people for not going to church. So kind of don't buy into those false implications and then think the main point is wrong. Right. Everyone's living by divine revelation. John MacArthur and Grace Community Church is living by the divine revelation, trying to make the determination. We are living by divine revelation trying to make the determination of it's right or if it's wrong and the governor needs to be making that decision so think about his role here people have been citing romans 13 i want to read it. it says let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by god so has god instituted the governorship of california yes has god 
installed Governor Newsom in that position. Yes. It says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So in the Apostle Paul's mind, as he's writing Romans 13, he's thinking about a governor who is not a terror to bad conduct, but a terror, or who is a terror to bad conduct and not a terror to good conduct. Now, in a fallen world, are there uh, civil authorities who are a terror to good conduct? Yeah, like Nero. Absolutely, there are. But we, we are signaled something in Romans 3 about the way in which Paul's thinking about the governor or thinking mm-hmm. about the civil authority. He's he's working on the basis that this person is not a terror to bad conduct or is a terror to bad conduct, but not a terror to good conduct. He says, uh, would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. Again, he's working with this magistrate who's doing what's right. Verse four, for he is God's servant for your good. Yeah. So is Governor Newsom a servant of God? Absolutely. Even if he's not a Christian. Absolutely. He's a servant of God. And do servants have to obey their masters? Absolutely. Do servants have to do what their masters tell them to do? Absolutely. Has God told Governor Newsom things to do? Yeah. Yeah, he has, through general revelation, through special revelation. I want to go on because we're getting to the the heart of the matter here in just a few verses. He says, he is God's servant, uh, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. About halfway through verse 4 there. Verse 5, therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God. Ministers of God, the authorities are. So, uh, if you were sitting down with Governor Newsom, in light of what God has revealed here, and you wanted to be faithful to him, you wanted to help him, you wanted to be a blessing to him, what kind of things would you say to him? Yeah, well, I would try to help him to see exactly this, that you know he has no authority at all except that which has been given to him from God. God ordered uh, government, God ordered the state of California, and God has seen in his wisdom and sovereignty to have Newsom as governor of that state. And one day, he's going to give an account to God. And that if he wants to to lead that state well, if he wants to exercise his authority well, then he's going to need to understand what uh, righteousness is. He's going to need to understand what justice is, what wisdom is, what goodness is, what truth is. And God is the one who's revealed all of those things. God is the one who gets to set the definitions on all of those things. And so the, the, the concern I have for many of our civil magistrates today is that they think their authority is autonomous mm. and they don't realize that it's delegated. And one of the things that we need to help the church to understand this again is no, all human authority is delegated, including civil authority, including ecclesiastical authority. Elders don't have inherent authority. Elders have authority that has been uh, entrusted to them by the very head of the church. And so an elder is not free to make decisions and rule based upon his own whims. No, we are to stay in our lane according to what God's revealed in the church in the scriptures concerning the church. And that is true for Governor Newsom and every other civil authority in terms of how they are to rule, lead, direct in civil affairs. But there's a day of reckoning coming. And on that day, the servant of the Lord will give an account to his master. Mm. 
And so delegated authority is emphasizing that word that uh, Governor Newsom is a servant of God. So there's God who is the only one with ultimate authority, and he has established Governor Newsom as governor of California, and he has given him a jurisdiction. He has given him certain responsibilities, certain things he can do, certain things he can't do, and a general direction and purpose uh, to his responsibility. And so if you're trying to convince him um, that that what um, that what he's done is wrong. What he has done is not uh, prudent. It's not proper. The thing is, the, this is where some of our the Christians we need to repent and get a right mind about some of these things. There's no way to to try to show Governor Newsom what he's done without taking him to divine revelation. Right. You, right. you have to be willing to say that he's going to have to rule according to divine revelation uh, he it, it's not we're not it's not reason alone reason is the faculty through which you understand things but it is not the standard right by which you operate it is not the rule jonathan edwards uh speaks of reason he has a, a treatise on it and he he explains it's the difference between the judge and the rule by which he judges your reason is the judge but the rule by which you judge is divine revelation. So one of the reasons that Governor Newsom uh, can't get to the bottom of discovering what he's done is wrong here is he doesn't know how high a premium the Lord Jesus Christ puts on Sabbath worship. He, he doesn't know that. And he needs, he needs to say, the one you serve, Jesus Christ, puts a very high premium on Sabbath worship, uh, you know, for, we could say, for example, our church covenant says, um, you know, uh, unless you're providentially hindered, and so there is a sense of being providentially hindered. You can be providentially hindered from this, but you have to have a real providential hindrance. We all know that down here, down here in Florida. You know, I had a providential hindrance. Uh, the sun was shining really nice, and the, <laughs> the beach, beach was, was right there. It's like, no, no, no. That's th- so. Part of that is fearing God. What has He said? Okay, well, this is one of the things I shouldn't prohibit people from obeying the Lord Jesus Christ unless there is a high level. It's got to reach a certain standard. It's got to be a very high threat to their lives. Yeah, and and this does open up a door to other very important conversations we need to have in recognizing the difference between issuing a law that prohibits what ought to be done Mm -hmm. according to what God has said versus issuing laws that require what God says ought to be done, especially when we're, when we're looking at those uh, the, the the first table of uh, the Ten Commandments, where we have these direct responsibilities dealing with our own affections and our own wills and our own um, uh, understanding yeah. before God it's as creatures huge, made in His image. It's a huge topic. Yeah. I mean, even in your home, even in your even in your father um, duties, your familial duties, it, it's we can fall into a trap of thinking that. Uh, requiring something to be done is just the same thing as prohibiting something to be done. I mean, they're both exercises of authority, aren't they? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they're totally different. It's like, you know, don't run in the street. Uh, you've got this, you're, you're letting people, it's like, it's like God in the garden. He set the mm-hmm. pattern for us. Go eat all the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say like, you know, eat of the peach trees on Tuesday and eat of the apple tree on Wednesday and go eat the grapes or whatever on Thursday. And he didn't do that. It was like, eat. Yeah, live. Don't eat this one, you know. And 
that's a model for us about the way that we're to operate in the world. I'm not saying that there's not times to lawfully and rightfully require certain things. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. God does that. We should do that. Um, but in, especially in the civil realm, you're seeing the difference between um, requiring something and prohibiting something. So the implication is not, uh, well, anything in the Bible as a civil magistrate I need to require. Well, that's right. Absolutely not. No, and this is where I think Baptists historically have been uh, carving out ground to stand on that's really healthy, but we need to remember uh, how we got there and what the ground actually is. So we're not saying the church is over the state, the state is over the church. We're saying, no, we have the church, we have the state. And the best we can hope for in a fallen world is a free church and a free state. I mean, I genuinely believe that. But with that, the church must not uh, default on its rightful authority given to us by King Jesus. So you, that when the state says, oh, you must or you must not, we say, oh, okay, because Romans 13. No, we, we have an accountability to the one who has established us in this world as an outpost of heaven. When you say free state, you don't mean free from observing divine revelation. No, right? I, I mean free from dictatorial uh, megalomaniacs and oligarchies and such as that, but oh. recognizing that you're serving the people. Uh, right. Over whom you exercise authority. Yeah, and this is why this this is why the situation with um, Pastor John MacArthur is so enlightening because there we do need to refine our understanding of the civil magistrate's um, authority, which is Jesus Christ. And if you ask, okay, well, if if he is God's servant, therefore he's to do what God has said. The question becomes, well, where did God? Where does God speak? <laughs> right? Where does he speak? I mean, you can hear Governor Newsom, a natural, okay, I'll take you up on it. Like, where does he speak? In my dreams? Am I supposed mm -hmm. to do this? And, well, we'd answer, well, Christian theology teaches that he speaks through the Bible. He speaks through prophets and apostles. And he speaks through general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So when we say divine revelation, um, don't, you know, we just have so many modern. No, oh, you just want us to stone people. And, you know, you don't want us to pay attention to science. It's like, no, we want you to do real science. If that's called studying general revelation, studying what God has revealed in the world and how it operates. So a part of that is paying very close attention to how many people have died from COVID. And then uh, maybe paying attention to how many people died last year from the influenza, which if you look at it, I think it's eleven or 12,000 people, according to the CDC. And we all know that those stats aren't accurate. But let's just grant it. Say, okay, we'll grant what the CDC is doing. You've got 11,000 to 12,000 people in California that have died from COVID. And I think it's around six to 7,000 yearly that die from the influenza. And so you're starting to prohibit churches from assembling based on death rates mm -hmm. that are very comparable. You're beginning to do things that are going to necessitate further action if you are consistent with what you're doing because every year you have this many people die from influenza. That's paying attention to general revelation as well. So, um, But Christians need to recover that sense that yes, we, we are to actually disciple the nations and that includes governors and that includes everybody living by what God has revealed. And we've got to get rid of this idea of of reason being up there on the same plane with divine revelation. Mm -hmm. That's not what it does. I mean, as Edward said, it's a faculty. It is the judge. It's the only way that you come to know uh, to know things. But it's not the standard. 
the standard is what God has revealed. Yeah, and another important point comes to mind as I remember hearing R.C. Sproul asked the question, you know, how many of you believe that the Bible is infallible, this special revelation of God, and every hand goes up. How many of you believe that general revelation is infallible? And, uh, you know, very few hands went up. He said, well, of course it's infallible. It comes from God. Mm-hmm. You know, God speaks and he declares his glory in an infallible way. The problem is we don't understand it the way we ought because of sin. Sin has clouded things. And we need to acknowledge that too, even in our reading of the scripture. You know, we don't have infallible interpretation. And so there ought to be a real humility that characterizes us as we have these conversations. But we need to have the conversations on the right foundation, Mm -hmm. which is God has spoken. God has revealed what's right, good, and true. And nobody is free to make those things up and then just kind of freelance saying, well, I've got authority, so what I say goes. No, you're accountable to the God who's delegated that authority to you. Yes, and that's why we've used the word tyrant a few times, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Well, Think of the two different worldviews and the two different definitions of tyrant. According to our kind of modern humanistic thinking, right, a, a tyrant could be someone who's telling me to do something I don't want to do. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul, Invictus, right? Mm-hmm. So who are you to start telling me what to do? You're telling me something that my will doesn't want, and therefore you're a yeah. tyrant. Or, to, to make this even a little bit more complicated, you're transgressing the nation's will in what mm-hmm. we have established in right. our constitution we've codified these things and it's the will of man down on paper and you were to abide by that constitution i'm saying all things that i really believe these are true things i'm so grateful to live in america but you're a tyrant if you transgress that and that actually has some legitimacy as a definition of tyrant but we're actually talking about in this worldview there's a deeper meaning to show that the good part of our american system has been the fruit of a deeper truth which is you're actually a tyrant because you are transgressing well you're king you're transgressing Jesus Christ. You're setting yourself up to be the king of kings. You're not doing what he has required of you. And we have to have that worldview. We have to take it and see then the fruit The fruit of that worldview gets you the American Constitution, gets you liberty of conscience, gets you uh, religious freedom. Right. It gets you all of those things. Don't buy into that humanistic lie that if you come over here and you really believe that Jesus Christ is the king of Governor Newsom and has given him marching orders, and Governor Newsom's a tyrant because he's disobeying the marching orders that Christ has given him, that you'll get the opposite of those things. No, you'll, you'll get the good fruit. But you, you, if you don't have that foundation, the word tyrant is going to, you're going to spin off and it's going to mean a thousand. Yeah, and, and you'll be left to whoever has the, the most power will exercise their will. And that's, you know, might will make right. Yeah, this whole idea of tyranny, it, it, it's the abuse of authority, even lawful authority. God-given authority can be abused. And so a husband can be tyrannical against his wife, a father against his children, elders against the congregation, and civil magistrates against the citizenry. And how do we know when that's happening? Well, we know whenever we go back to what God has said, who is the source of all authority, who created the world, everything in it, who has established his son as his king on this throne that will rule forever. Mm -hmm. What does he say? And whenever we recognize tyranny in that sense, that biblical right understanding of it, the question comes, okay, what do we do about it? You know, how do we resist tyranny? Well, uh, I don't think there's a one size fits all here, but 
we do see like Daniel uh, in Babylon. He makes a respectful appeal whenever he is told that he has to eat the king's delicacies. And he doesn't want to violate his conscience, doesn't want to go against what he understands to be the uh, dietary restrictions that he lives under as a uh, faithful Old Testament child of God. And so he makes the appeal. It's granted. But then in the the same man, same story, whenever he's told to bow down and to worship the king or to pray to no one except the king in in his statue, what does he do? He just opens his window. He says, I'm going to pray the way I've always prayed. And it is an act of clear defiance. Whenever the apostles are told to quit preaching the name of Jesus in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 5, they said, we must obey God rather than men. What is that? That is an act of defiance. And so sometimes defiance looks like doing exactly what Grace Community Church did over the last few weeks when they gather against a very specific ordinance that says you may not worship inside. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it might look like a lawsuit saying, hey, you know, we are going to protest what you're doing given the avenues that are available to us in this constitutional republic. Yes, and that action can be done in humility, and it can be done in genuine love to the tyrant. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't think that. Well, you got to choose. You got to choose between love for the governor and, you know, and not and love for Jesus. You know, you don't do that by by your um, standing against an unlawful order. You are genuinely loving the governor because think about what we want for Governor Newsom. Sure. We we want him to fear the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want Governor Newsom as a man to be operating outside of his jurisdiction. I don't want him thinking that he's operating outside of his jurisdiction. I don't want him disobeying Jesus as his king. I want him to see. And these things are going to come through acknowledging God's word, acknowledging what God has revealed through general revelation. It will come through humility. Uh, I mean, look at what happened to the kings that rebelled. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, Agrippa. Pharaoh. I mean, you see, mm-hmm. you see what happens to them when they do rebel against the one true God, and we don't want that for you. So by John MacArthur assembling his church and that church meeting to worship God, there, it's a testimony. It's saying, it's saying, no, like, come around here with us. Like, right. come, come see that there is a, a governor above and we're trying to hold that line and show you that you do. I think I tweeted this. That I'm glad that John MacArthur and GCC is reminding the governor that they're servants of Jesus Christ. And, and this would not be um, a lawful action. Yeah, I think sometimes Christians miss the evangelistic impact and opportunity of these types of moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and they see it only in terms of, well, uh, you've got to obey the governor or you're free not to obey, you know, or you're free to meet or not meet, rather than, no, no, no. When we honor Christ, we are standing on the platform that has been provided for us as those who have been redeemed by his shed blood to say to everyone, come and honor this Christ with us. Come and taste and see that God is good and experience the reconciliation with your creator that's been provided by our king. Come, bow to him, kiss the son, be reconciled to God. I mean, all of that has, it's baked into living faithfully before King Jesus. So this is not simply we're trying to get our way. We don't like people making our lives difficult. No, we're trying to live for Jesus. Yeah. As we live for Jesus, we can speak for Jesus. This is not just GCC being ornery. No. And, and I do think that that is a charge that's being leveled against them. And I could hear a lot of Christians saying, you know, man, you could have met outside. Yeah, yeah, you could right? wear a mask. I yeah. mean, and it's true. Yeah, sure. They could have met outside. It's like, 
shorts and t-shirts, man. I mean, you walk outside in LA, they totally could. So I want to grant all that to the person that's looking at, at GCC and saying, you could have, you could have done everything to obey the Lord Jesus Christ under, under this. And so what's the deal? Like, why, why did you do this? Which brings up another dimension of this conversation. Given what we've seen in Romans 13, that that uh, civil authorities are ministers of Jesus Christ, of God Almighty, the God of the Bible. Uh, we we then go. What do you do with orders that are not in accordance with His Word? And one phrase that that's very common is we we tell people you should uh, obey all things unless you're being told to sin. And and then if you're if it's if you're going to sin. Well, then you, you obey Jesus, you don't obey man. We must obey mm-hmm. God rather than men. You're telling me to sin, I'm not going to sin. And that is, that's a fine way to say it, but I think we need to improve on that, on that way that we're explaining and teaching what God has revealed about this particular situation. Because what do you do when what the governor is requiring of you is not specifically uh, you, you can't find a particular text that he's asking mm-hmm. you to transgress, but it's clear that what he's asking you to do is arbitrary or it's, it's random. It's not rooted in what God has revealed. So if the governor said, I want all women to dye their hair blonde, all people in California, all women need to dye their hair blonde. Well, according to the standard, well, you should obey in all things unless it's sin. You know, is there a specific text you can point to? It says women shall not dye their hair blonde. Or if they said, I want all the men that are 45 and older to go outside on Tuesday at 630 in the morning and do 10 jumping jacks and say, I love California. Um, Well, is there a, no, Bible verse doesn't say I can't, jumping jacks are not prohibited Mm -hmm. by Almighty Mm -hmm. God. Go do your jumping jacks. And we could do this for a very long time, right? I want all teenagers to wear blue jeans. I want, you know, all ladies 50 and older to curl their hair. Or you could come up with all sorts of arbitrary commands that are not inherently transgressing a particular command. And so our, our doctrine of this has to go a little bit deeper and say, no, okay, you actually have a lane and and in that sense you are transgressing and you're telling me that you're putting me in a situation where i might be able to do what you're telling me to do but the fact that you are requiring it of me is not permitted is sin because that's not what jesus has told you to do as the civil magistrate so i've been using language of the governor has to legislate and rule according to what God has revealed in special and general yes. revelation. And I want to say that you could go do those jumping jacks. You could dye your hair without sinning. So a Christian could do that. You could comply with uh, unwise, unrighteous edicts even and not sin because there's no inherent sin in uh, the fulfillment of those edicts. And context is really important here too. Mm-hmm. So in America, if we have those kinds of things handed down, we have ensconced in our constitutional republic, in our document, in the, uh, the founding of this nation, the recognition of and the protection of unalienable rights given to us by our creator. And so automatically from day one in this country, we have said that the civil magistrate has a lane and must stay in it. If you're going into some kind of a country that's ruled by an iron-fisted dictator and he hands down these edicts and you're trying to gain a foothold for the gospel, man, 
You know, if you go out and do your jumping jacks, dye your hair blonde, I'm, I might even applaud you in saying that's fine. It brings us right back to this realm of trying to sort out, okay, you know, what, what has God called us to be? How has he called us to act? Especially whenever we're giving, given these, uh, these, uh, conflicting commands, obey the civil magistrate and don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. And this is where some churches have complied with the mandates from their civil authorities. They're meeting outside, they're wearing masks, they're practicing social distancing. And I'm not going to throw stones at them. You know, I'm going to trust that they're doing the best that they know how to do. But then other churches are saying, well, the governor said we can't meet, so we can't meet. We're just going to wait until he gives us permission to meet. I am going to throw stones at you. Because you're basing that on uh, one church is assembling, even if it's outside with social distancing, and thus they're doing it. They're doing what Jesus requires, and the other church you're saying is disregarding Abdicating. what Jesus has required, Abdicating. and there's an elevation of the state. And I want to go back to what you said about being able to obey those commands and not sin. That's important because it's exactly what we're facing with all mm-hmm. with, with the mask mandate. But let's take you know the jumping jacks. Well, this is so important for Christian growth and discipleship. You, you, in that situation, if the governor mandated you go out and do jumping jacks at 6.30 a.m., you could go do the jumping jacks and it be sin. You could go do the jumping jacks and it not be sin. Right, right. You could defy the order and it be sin. And you could defy the order and it not be sin. Exactly. And it's, it's got to spring from faith. And so in both situations, it has to spring from faith. And we're dealing with that right now. Absolutely. I, we're absolutely dealing. I've got, I, I know there are Christians that are out not wearing masks under certain mandates that are in sin because they're not wearing masks. They're and thumbing it's, their nose at those who are. It's not just because, it's not because they're defying the governor that they're in sin. Uh, but it's that they're prideful and arrogant about what they're doing. Right. And there's people that are putting on the masks, and, and, but they're in sin because they're really not trusting the Lord. And they're, they're putting their hope in princes, and they're fearful and fretful, and they're giving into various kinds of sin. And then you got people on both sides, not mask and mask, that are, are uh, in faith. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, a, that's a terribly important thing to remember yes. as we're shepherding the flock. Make sure the question is, it's got to spring from faith. And, and it becomes even more tricky because, as you said, um, those, whatever's coming down from the civil authority could actually quickly enter into something that would be sin if you obeyed, period. Right. And so right. how do you make those, those – you understand that by what God has revealed. Yeah, that's, we, we don't get away from Genesis 1-1. We don't get away from the fact that God who created us – rules over us. He's established the times and places of our existence. He is the one who's established authority. Authority was created by God and has been delegated to different spheres in his created world. And we have to do the best we can to live within that. But we're not flying blind. We're not without guidance. He's spoken in his word. He's given us general revelation. The word helps us to understand general revelation. We're not going to get it perfect, but we're to do our best. And as we do our best and we try to chart the course forward in these kinds of confusing times, we need to do so with humility, but we need to do so with courage. We ought to be willing to take the lumps that are handed to us by our culture, by tyrannical governments, whenever we say, no, we must serve Christ. We're going to honor Christ. We're not going to comply with your tyranny in telling us that we cannot meet to worship the one who shed his blood for us. Yeah, amen. Well, 
pray for Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church as they labor on, and then pray for churches all across our land. Pray for for elders and mm-hmm. pastors, and a word to elders and pastors. Think about the this sphere sovereignty principle. I, I'm 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 concerned that some uh, church leaders are looking at, say, the way that maybe Walmart's operating or uh, even the way the civil authorities are operating. Or they're thinking of just how a, a husband ought to lead his wife and raise his kids. And then you're drawing false parallels over to what you're doing in the church. The church is an institution of the Lord Jesus Christ established on earth, co-equal with the civil magistrate. And if you have been installed in an office where you're leading there, then you have certain responsibilities, just like that governor has certain responsibilities, Amen. and you're not functioning in that office as just a normal person. You're, you're a public person. You're in a particular office established by the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have duties and responsibilities that go beyond what it would be if you were just a regular citizen or a regular Christian walking around. And so when you prohibit certain things in the ecclesiastical realm, you're functioning similar, more similarly to how the civil magistrate is functioning when he's prohibiting something. It's not just two Christians talking. And so we really do, you know, all that's going to shake down and hard decisions are going to have to be made, but we have to do all of that by divine revelation, not just what we think, not just what other people are doing. Seek wisdom from those who are wise, but go back to God's word and say, what has he required of us? And therefore we want to, um, do what it is that he has required through what he's revealed. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trowel. Uh, Just a reminder, we do have that conference coming up in January. We would love to see you here. Um, We get to just walk around in shorts and t-shirts in in, uh, Florida, and it's great. And so if you're not able to do that, take a flight down here. Come see us. We would love to see you January for the Doctrine of God conference.